welcome to episode six of Stories of Strange Women. We're your hosts. I'm Tracy Hurley Martin. And I'm Tanya Hurley. And today our guest is taxidermist Divya Anantharaman. Divya came from the fashion world and now is making her living solely by doing taxidermy. Um, she's a conservationist, she is an animal lover. And she is, is an author. She's an author. She's an artist. Her book, um, Stuffed Animals, is out now. She co-authored. And it is... a. <laughs> I love this book because it has roadkill recipes. And we're going to put one up on the Facebook page for Woodchuck Tacos, I believe, right? Woodchuck Tacos. Yes. Yeah. And there's Taco a safe Tuesday. way to do this, people. So listen to the interview first. When you're dealing with roadkill. Yeah, so keep it and print it out for next Taco Tuesday. Yes, definitely. And um, I I believe also was the first and only um, book launch event that I've been to where you could drink out of a skunk's anus. I I mean, I I don't know for certain because the 90s I did a lot of stuff, but... (laughs) We did do a lot in the 90s. As far as I can recall. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Divya has just won second place in the World Taxidermy Championships, which is a big deal. Yeah, she's uh, a big deal. She's out there doing it. Yeah, and making a living at it. So, if you're interested in something like this, or even if you're not, you're interested in just making your way in the world, she has some great advice. Yeah, and I, I was looking at her Instagram, and right after she posted her second place ribbon. There was a post of her needing to check into a hotel <laughs> because someone had contacted her about a peacock that had died, and she needed to get a hotel room immediately with a freezer and a bathtub because she was on the road, and she needed to strip the peacock of its meat and mm-hmm. feathers immediately before it started to decay. And Just uh, add that to the list of things that go on in hotel rooms before you yeah. check in. <laughs> Keep that in mind. It's the life of a taxidermist. She's always prepared. Yeah. She, she travels with her kits and uh, is always this on This is call. why she's one of the best. Yeah. Making her way in this world. So please follow her on Instagram. If you have a chance yeah. to take her to take one of her workshops, we did. And <laughs> yeah. she, she taught us in one afternoon how to taxidermy my uh, a mouse yeah uh, mine was a hula dancer mine was a mouse in mourning yes it was yeah with a veil it was beautiful yeah it was. um and, and she and they're they're um they're just the little pinkies that they're, they're snake food really yeah and hard to handle i thought it would be much more disgusting than it was yeah um i was i don't not a fan of mice at all like at all i can't stand any kind of mouse a live mouse dead whatever Aww. yeah i can't they're just they're cute they have like hands and <laughs> yes they do. um so i was sick to my stomach before we walked in with our friends um we took a, a class with our friends yeah i felt that sinking feeling. I, yeah i, was I think sick. we talked about it in the interview oh yeah. yes we did and um so but it turned out fine yeah, it was. Well, it, yours it, didn't. Yours didn't. You yours lose a limb or something. You lost a limb. Yeah, that's why I made it a hula dancer. But it was it was a fun <laughs> afternoon with a, with friends. Yeah, I highly recommend it. It's very different. <laughs> so um, we are taxidermists as well. So be sure to check us out. Follow us on Stories of Strange Women on Facebook and Instagram. 
And our website, storiesofstrangewomen.com. Find out about the latest episodes, episodes you may have missed, and sign up for our newsletter. And now, without further ado, Divya. My first experience with a dead animal was, I think I was probably like six or, yeah, probably like six or seven or like pretty young. And we had, you know, we ate outside all the time. Like, it's Miami. We sit in your backyard in the summer. It's nice. Or probably not in the summer, but in, like, the spring and fall, you sit back there when it's cool out. You have dinner. And we had a lizard that crawled into our bug zapper light, our mosquito zapper light. And it was a small one. It was, like, those little brown ones that run all, run around all over. Little gecko. Yeah, the little, yeah they're, like, little um, anoles or geckos. I don't, they're, like, just those little, like, brown ones. And they... This one ran up in there, it got zapped. I saw like it's tiny, like it was, you know, it was tiny and I saw its body fall, like I saw this thing die because like I wanted no mosquitoes on me. <laughs> so it ran up there, it fell down and I felt so bad for it. And I was just like, oh my God, like this thing died. Like, what do I do? I felt like this need to do something for it because part of it I felt guilty because I was like this bug zapper is because of me. <laughs> Yeah, my I fault. Killed it. I killed it. It's not my, my fault. But then I was like, well, you know, I also didn't want mosquitoes. <laughs> so yeah. there were those two. They're like, you don't care about mosquitoes dying, but you care about the lizard dying. Why is that? But then, <laughs> but then I was like, well, the lizard isn't biting you. The mosquitoes are. The lizard is just fast and wiggly. It's, oh, so it got so, you really thinking. Yeah, about... it kind of. Yeah, and I don't think like I thought that that's what I was thinking back then. Mm-hmm. Like I can rationalize it now because I'm not six or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. But, um, so that's, it got me thinking of that. And so my instinct like was to just take the lizard and put it into, like I had a little box of like seashells and rocks and like dried plants and like other like non-animal curiosities. There were probably some like bone fragments and stuff in there too, but it was all like dry stuff. So I put the lizard in that box and even though it was probably like three inches long, it's like a tiny two or three inches long, like it was really little. It, of course, like started to deteriorate and because it wasn't preserved, it was just like a dead lizard. And so my mom eventually found it and she was like, what are you doing? Like, you can't keep this like this. She's like, if you want, she's like, you know, when people collect animals and keep them, like they're preserved. And I was like, oh, cool. So how is that done? And she's like, you're not doing that in the house. She's like, it's something that museums do. It's something that like scientific institutions do. Not little six-year-olds. Yeah, she's like, not like, she's like, not, this is not for little kids to do. She's like, you can read about it. You can learn about it. You can draw animals. You can like, you know, look the other way, bury stuff in the backyard for carcasses, for, uh, you know, bones or whatever. But it wasn't anything that she was like, you're not dissecting stuff inside the house. She's like, at school when you dissect, you can, you know, do all this stuff um, and I'll show you what to do for that. Or when, you know, she would have like her classroom, she had like wet specimens and study scans and like pinned insects and all of that stuff as like educational aids. So I never thought that stuff was weird um, until like, I think I met people who like didn't know about that stuff or who didn't know like oh why would you have dead animals like why would you have that there and to me it was also just like well I mean you eat them like you like my parents and most of my family is vegetarian or doesn't really eat a lot of meat but um I eat everything but they you know it's meeting other people who are just like oh that's weird when it's whole and it's like and used for one purpose but it's not weird when it's you know just on your plate as like a lump with like sauce on it Mm -hmm. you know right so so yeah and so like my parents I think when I first 
was doing that stuff. I don't think they thought it was going to be my career. I didn't know it was going to be my career either. It was always just my hobby, my like. You weird probably didn't hobby. even know there was a career to be had. Yeah, that, yeah, not right? not at that age. Um, and you know, and even like in my twenties when I was starting doing starting to do taxidermy um, more, since I had my own place and like mm-hmm. no no one to tell me no. <laughs> um, even then, I was like, there's no way that in a big city that people are going to want this because it's more of just, like, it's like there are a couple of, like, people who collect this stuff. And then, you know, the biggest clientele are, like, hunters and people who live in a rural area and who want to do, like, you know, like, big mounts, like, me- like memorial, like, big mounts of, like, deer or, like, turkeys or, you know. Mother-in-law. Things like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so did you, you learned through, um, a taxidermy society or yeah I learned first I learned through books and videos so I went online so you're self-taught pretty much well self-taught in the beginning and then after I sort of like got comfortable with the stuff in books and videos and was like all right well I have questions about this this and this then I went to go seek out like weekend courses and then um like state associations and like stuff like that because and you know because like I was also just like it's just gonna be my hobby I'm just gonna go slow with it it's my hobby but then when people started to ask me like oh can I buy this off of you then I was like oh well crap like I don't want to sell someone something like it's one thing if it's just for me and it's sitting there and if my thing like turns into you know if it like turns into like something ugly it's like whatever it's just for me it doesn't matter but once you bring like a person who's buying it into the equation then I was like all right I need to like go and learn from like actually learn from someone and I also felt too it was time to like go to the next level if you're going to be selling things so that's when I sought out like weekend courses um and like the taxidermy association so then I learned from professionals there so did they teach they, they probably focus on things like deer and teach like Ma- yeah. male hunters right because when we hey. were when we were growing up we are yeah. from rural yeah. Pennsylvania yeah. and our uh, yeah, uncle Appalachian used Mountains. to hunt and you know our first exposure to taxidermy was you know a deer hanging upside down in our uncle's basement yeah and <laughs> yeah and he taught and us how to skin hang- squirrels oh yeah yeah and you know the next day we'd have venison steaks yeah. and um But, you know, I mean, so there's that. I mean, when you grow up in that royal world. Yeah. And it's really a similar idea. I mean, like, as far as, like, using, like, as far as, like, using everything. Like, you know, if he's, you know, if he's getting the animal, but at least using everything. But, I mean, learning from, yeah, when you learn from, like, the traditional associations or a traditional, like, more traditional taxidermist, they're teaching you on deer or, you know, on, like, larger mammals. They're not teaching you on, like little squirrels and rabbits and like chicks and things like that but I think a lot of those ideas like the same techniques can still be used on something small or like similar techniques can be used on something small because there are lots of um I don't know whenever I go even like now when I go to workshops like you know I still go at Mm -hmm. least like twice a year to get some training again and again um but you can still like learn ideas that can be used on things that might not be traditional or you can use those traditional ideas so that the quality is the same for something non-traditional and do you see like more women in the in in these workshops now whereas in the beginning there probably were yeah, none there's, right yeah i mean it in the beginning hunter. there is yeah it was a hunter. yeah i think the beginning of going to them there are probably like one or two women maybe like in those workshops but then 
the more the as the years go by the more people come the more like women come and more people will like go like this past two weekends ago no yeah last weekend like I went to the New England Association's workshop and I like you know there were probably five women there and the president of that association's a woman too which is awesome oh well that's yeah, great it's, it's really awesome yeah. um I, I I looked on the world taxidermy show or yeah. fair um yeah. their website and it was just you know men in their 40s 50s with the hunt you know camouflage yeah (laughs) yeah and and you know with deer heads I can't can't imagine what it's like seeing you walk in (laughs) with a two-headed chick the deer head for some people is a trophy like I shot this I killed it I fed my family yeah it's hanging there not as a beautiful Mm -hmm. piece of art but as a trophy right you know yeah but I I mean there's a there it's going somewhere else there's like a revolution happening with artists um, discovering taxidermy and yeah. it's a it's a big movement now and I'm just wondering like the yeah. first time you walked into a place like that what was yeah. it like if you could paint the picture for sure. us Sure. I mean I th- also think too like there are I'm by no means like the first person who's a woman that's walked into those places like a lot of the books and videos I got were written by women and there are like lots of like master taxidermists who are women who are at those shows but you know there's definitely more guys doing taxidermy than women like that's just that's just it but I think it's similar to like any other field like the sciences you know or or like arts or art in general or science in general or like there are lots of jobs where they're just like they're just fields that were male dominated and now more women are getting into it because it's just socially like some things have changed socially so like it's not like taboo for women to work anymore but isn't so, it like, isn't it more that. of a like i'm not but, saying you know first female taxidermist but yeah. like the rogue movement in the oh okay uh, yeah Anna, yeah yeah, like the doing anthropomorphic. stuff, anthropomorphic stuff. Yeah. Well, I don't bring those pieces there. Okay. Like that's like something I don't, I don't bring them there because there's just like, because when you're going to like a state show, like there's some, I mean like the New Jersey State Show like two years ago they had a rogue category so that was like made for okay. doing that and it was judged by like, you know there are definitely taxidermists out there who are like true artisans like the guy that judged it George Dante he's like a true like he was trained in the arts and then got into taxidermy and all his pieces are like you know just they're works of art even if he's doing like a trophy it's still just like so masterfully done like it's it's really hard to not call it a work of art at like at a place like the world show they're going for realism so I'm bringing stuff there that's trying to look realistic. Like, there'll be a piece I bring there for, like, they have an interpretive division where you can get a little bit more weird. Um, So I'll bring that kind of stuff there. But for the most part, it's people doing, like, realistic stuff, like animals to look like the animal, um, except for, like, the interpretive. Yeah, except, I guess, for the interpretive division. But even then, it's more of, like, an artistic representation of it or just more of, like, a free representation of it. So because it's in that division there's it's judged differently mm-hmm. whereas like i wouldn't put like a two-headed parakeet or something mm-hmm. in with like the regular right. like professional bird division right like, i wouldn't but there I are like there, there are rogue competitions there are, right there. yeah there yeah there are like rogue competitions and um i think it's also expanded too because like rogue is like specifically three people who like started it and it's kind of like a like a brand i guess so i think now People are just saying like fantasy taxidermy or alternative taxidermy to make it more 
alt like, like yeah, alt yeah. taxidermy or like just more like encompassing because like Rogue is very specific. Mm-hmm. It's like about these pieces that were in a gallery and like this like you know kind of like Ziploc bags or zip top bags. I think like the Rogue is like the brand, but I think the fantasy or alternative taxidermy is much more of like you didn't have to be part of the Rogue Taxidermy Association. You could just be someone who wants to do something, you know, a little weird or a little like off, mm-hmm. and then still be considered like, like you won't be like. Oh, I didn't Rogue know the uh, Rogue was like a brand name. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't know if like that's I mean, the technical term yeah. for it, but it's kind of like it's treated that way. So like. A lot. I mean, I know a lot of people use it mm-hmm. otherwise, but I think, like, the people who founded it are, like, this means this specific thing, and so there's usually, like, you know, it's also just, like, online people will be like, I'm posting this, and it's rogue, and they're like, well, sometimes some people will be like, no, it's not really rogue because of this and that, and it's like, just fantasy taxidermy, alternative taxidermy, yeah. just leave it, like, just leave it at, like, piece yeah. of art. Yeah. Piece of art, yeah, like, yeah. piece of interpretive art, wildlife art, whatever, just call it something else. But yeah, there are competitions just for that. Like, there's a big one in Baltimore every year at the Walters Art Museum, which is pretty. Which you cool. have a piece in yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, I have a piece. Congratulations! In there. Thank yeah, you. That's, that's pretty. Really that's major. pretty pretty exciting. But it's cool, like having. It's I think it's really cool when the like fantasy world meets with the traditional world because you learn techniques, you know, and you kind of get like, you know, there are a lot of like traditional guys who are like, that's weird, but I want to know like. You know, so how did you make that body? Oh, okay, have you tried doing this? Or, like, maybe you should use silicone for that instead of, like, glue. Or maybe, you know, do this or do that. So there is, like, I think it's really nice when, you know, when both of those worlds meet. Because I think even though yeah, they're, like, a different... traditional take on they're learning yeah. from you and you, you've learned from them. And yeah. Then... And I think there's also just, like, the... There's just, like, sort of one couldn't exist without the other and I think even though the end products are totally different and maybe like you know there are some people who do fantasy stuff that are like oh I hate traditional taxidermy there's some people who do traditional taxidermy like oh I hate fantasy taxidermy but I think as much as they don't the parts that don't mesh I think the intention in the beginning is the same because they like like both of these groups for the whole spectrum they like animals they want the art of taxidermy to continue and they don't want, um, you know, they don't want to see taxidermy die. Like, they don't want, like, museums to close down. They don't want, like, collections to be, you know, forgot, be locked away and forgotten in some moldy basement or attic somewhere. Like, no one, like, both of those people don't want those things. And I think sometimes those differences are hard to, like, they're hard to keep, like, in focus. Because on, you know, on either side, there can be people who are just as passionately, like, like, no, that's trash. They're like, no, that's trash. But... I think like when yeah like they the realize purists, like, right? yeah and I think when they realize when both sides realize like oh our intentions are the same and we do like the same things even though we go about it differently I think that is um I think that is going to be key for it surviving because like you know let's like let's face it like a lot of museums are like not like there are a lot of museums that are not even keeping taxidermy anymore there are like very few I think there are like two. <laughs> like full-time taxidermists mm-hmm. that are like museum employees now like um Wendy Christensen was just she was at I think the Min- Milwaukee Museum and she's you know she's an amazing amazing like super super like incredible artist and she was let go like it's like this person who was like made I mean she's made like fate like replica gorillas from scratch with like no you know just from pictures and it looks like the real thing or she makes like 
thing like recreations of extinct animals. Like she's really, really. Why? Why do you think she was like? Why? Why is there? Why was she I let think, go? I think because no one thinks it's valuable anymore. Like the same value isn't there as it was like in the 1800s for taxidermy. Um, the same reason why like there aren't a lot of like illustrators, like you know, natural illustrators, or like there are like I don't know, like a few anatomical illustrators. Like there's like eight of them or something. Or like mm-hmm. the, you know, there's like just not as much value put on to like having that real thing there, even though, um, you know, I also think too, like the popular attitude, even though it is more popular now, I think the overall popular attitude towards taxidermy is like, you're killing, it's crude, it's, you know, you don't like animals, even though none of those things are, you know, so you, 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 true, you probably but, get ba- a lot of backlash. Um, yeah, a decent amount. I think the block feature on like Instagram and Facebook is amazing because it's, you know, it's very like effective because it just blocks people. But I mean, I used to like engage with it a lot more, I think. And sometimes like I will engage with someone who really does want to have a conversation about it. But there are some people who are just out to like, they have an agenda and they're just like, I just want this. Like, there's some people who, like, if even if I were to say, okay, I'll stop doing taxidermy, they'll still find something else to be upset about. So, right. you know, not that I would ever stop doing it, but I think, you know, there are some people who are just, like, they have it in their head that they're against it. They don't want to change, and they don't, you know, they just don't want to, like... And they're, they won't even listen to you. Yeah, and they won't Yeah, listen. despite the way, the, the yeah. ethical way that you go about it, they don't... Yeah, they you know, won't... Not yeah. interested. They yeah, just don't want interested. anyone to have dead animals in there. Yeah, no matter how yeah. <laughs> but they'll they go to there. like you know Whole Foods and buy like a chicken there, and then somehow it's just different because it was grown in the grocery store. I don't know, like it'll be, you know, yeah. it'll be like the sandwich is fine, right? But... Because it doesn't look like because <laughs> it chicken, doesn't look like doesn't, yeah. yeah. Although I'm glad, like, that, I guess that Whole Foods by Gowanus, they have that big butchery station, and you see, like, mm-hmm. the pigs hanging. I'm like, this is good. People will know <laughs> at least know what it is. Like, that's good. You should have that. So the animals are sourced um, mainly through unavoidable deaths, and it's always something that's sustainable. So it's never anything that's, like, killed for the sole sake of taxidermy or for the, like, you know, that thing is like, oh, that's pretty, let's kill it. Like, there's never that attitude um, towards it. So if I get something that's edible, it's like something from a farm or something that's, like, I mean, there's certain roadkill you can eat if it's fresh, or there's certain, like, nuisance animals you can eat if they're pretty fresh like the woodchucks and squirrels and that kind of stuff like you can actually eat it as long as it's fresh though so I would recommend to anyone who wants to eat stuff to take like a field dressing course and like learn how to like truly process like wild game and know what to look for because you have to remove certain like with the woodchuck you have to remove certain scent glands and stuff or else it'll just you know yeah we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put your book up on the website Um, it's called (laughs) stuffed animals um and it's uh definitely a must read for for everyone um but you have a woodchuck taco recipe in there that we're also gonna put up on the website yes you should and so you would trap the woodchuck and it would be fresh or or if you found a dead woodchuck would you use it it would have to be fresh it would definitely have to be fresh Um, how do you know it's not diseased yeah well, you know it's not diseased by... I mean, if something is rabbit or something, you don't want to eat it. Like, How and do you, you can know tell. if it is, though? If it's, like, out during the wrong time of day. And it's also checking, like, the CDC and, like, DEC, like, the CDC and, like, the Department of Environmental Conservation. Like, they always put out, like... They're always, you know, they're scientists working for both of those organizations. For now, at least. I was going to say, are they <laughs> <For> still... <now. laughs> um, for now. Are they I mean, still around? Yeah. 
So checking, you know, checking with those, um, or, you know, checking with those websites, if they're like, you know, there's a case of rabies outbreaking in woodchucks or something, then you're like, obviously you're not going to eat any of those. Or if there's like, you know, I think with, um, I think a lot of people, they used to eat raccoon, but they don't eat it as much anymore because of like the rabies scares with them. So, you know, have you ever eaten raccoon? I have. yeah. Yeah. It's kind of just tastes like pork it doesn't yeah. really it you know I think it's also the way it's prepared too but I mean a huge part of it is like you know taking those like educational courses to make sure like stuff isn't to make sure stuff isn't like disease and that it's safe to eat and like knowing how to prepare it um, and making sure it's fresh so if you have something fresh you have to like gut it immediately because anything most gross stuff is in like the intestinal tracts and in like the organs and that's like the first thing to decay and then it's knowing what cuts you can eat and how to prepare them and what's the grossest that. thing you've ever found inside an animal's intestines i mean <laughs> like, do you ever look inside the intestines I, yeah or? sometimes i yeah sometimes i do just for, for I mean, fun just for fun yeah. i guess or just for curiosity curiosity um sometimes too if i have if i've pick up an animal that's bloated I want to make sure if it's pregnant then I'll save the you know save like the babies as like jarred specimens or you know mount those too or um, give them to someone who wants to do wet specimens with them mm-hmm. um, so when you cut something open I think the grossest things I found are just poop <laughs> like yeah. in various stages like that's pretty gross um like blood and guts I can deal with but poop I just like I, I have an so 11 nasty. year old boy so <laughs> Have you ever found like a finger? No, a I wish. I wish. I, I wish I would have found something oh, like that. Because then it would young. like get. They're yeah. still young. There's so many <laughs> There's more. still time. Yeah. I'm also goals. like, what yeah. would eat a finger? I mean, maybe a coyote or something, or like a bobcat would have like a finger. I could see a raccoon. I mean, eating if you're a hungry finger. enough. Yeah. I would wonder where the finger came from, and that would be cool because I could take it to, like, a forensics department and then be like, I had to sit on this, obviously, because I brought you the finger, yeah. <laughs> so you're not getting rid of me until I see I'm some cool shit. I'm on this case, yeah. <laughs> Like, I have no training whatsoever, but I want to see some cool shit go down. <laughs> well, it's good that you live around, I mean, you work and live around the Gowanus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure your body yeah, part will probably. show up at some point. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So um, you have a, you're part of a taxidermy collective. Yeah, well, we've started a, well, we've started this collective. Um, it started out as just a taxidermy collective, but then we met other people who do like, you know, illustrations and drawings and paintings, and everyone sort of has a love of like animals and art and wildlife um, and things that are a little like I guess a little bit different a little bit like you know a little bit like yeah I guess it kind of goes in the vein of like taxidermy jewelry and like oddities and things like that so it's yeah a I bought a, a fox stole from, oh right from, yeah <laughs> from you guys awesome. yeah so it's a bunch of women that uh, yeah yeah that got Joy together and got this... together to like yeah to sort of like promote each other and like to help like you know, to help each other out when we do events, like, usually when we do flea markets or any of the artist markets, like, it's a group of us at a table, um, and it's great because, like, sometimes I'll get a, sometimes I'll get an email for something that I don't normally do, you know, sometimes I'll get emails for, like, repairs that are really urgent, they're like, I need this repaired by tomorrow, and I'm like, I have, like, seven other projects going on, like, I can't do this, but I know someone who can and someone who will, like, do the job and, like, go there and, 
blow it out of the park. So wow, we'll so you're really supporting each other. And yeah. Giving each other work and keep, yeah, that's amazing. As and, much and, as possible. I mean, like you know, there's not like I wish I could say like the collective gives everyone like their dream job. Like you know, mm-hmm. some people still are like working other jobs, but you know, hopefully one day it gets to like. Yeah, well, that's it great. To, like where, yeah, where everyone can like quit their day job and just do this. But you're you're job. doing taxidermy yeah. exclusively. Yeah. I mean, you you came from fashion. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that was my that was my old job, and not a lot of people thought taxidermy was cool there. Even though I was like, we're making shoes out of dead animals like all the time. Like we are using so many dead animals, and we're wasting so many stuff too. Like. Or polluting rivers with this stuff. But. So you were doing taxidermy at the same time you were designing yeah. shoes. Yeah, because it was a hobby of mine. It wasn't like, you know, it's also like before I really got online to see like, you know, it was before I like really, really got onto Instagram to be like, oh, well, who else is doing, you know, what, what are other artists doing here? I think like sort of towards when I started like joining the associations and meeting other people, that's when I was like, oh, wow, there are lots of other people doing this. Like this is a viable thing. Like. Like, this is something that, like, it could be, I'm like, oh, this could be a thing. This is great. Yeah, so, um, so we, we did take a taxidermy class, um, with, yep. taught by you. <laughs> yeah. Our, our, so we're colleagues. Yeah. Yes, of course. <laughs> so we are fellow taxidermists <laughs> interviewing you. Um, and it wasn't as, uh, gross as I thought it would be. Yeah, Cutting it really the mouse. isn't. I, yeah, it really isn't. I mean, I think a huge part of it, too, is, like, that's a domestically raised animal. It's frozen, and it's, you well, know... Well, I'm, f- I'm not a fan of, of mice at me all. Me neither. <laughs> at all. Like, I think because it, it, it... I was so nervous before I walked in yeah. to the... Yeah, to the workshop. My hands were sweating, oh, and I was like, oh. I had the feeling. I couldn't even tell. Yeah, our uncle had a funeral home, and it oh, was like okay. one of the that that your your stomach sinking yeah, before you yeah. walk in the yeah. door before you yeah. knew you and were going to see a laid there, out you're body. Okay. Yeah, you know, you get yeah. used to it a little bit, but um, that first incision was. It's all yeah. I think that's always the hardest part is like getting past that first incision. And, you know, if you've never done it before, it's also just, like, there are all these new things. Like, it's holding the scalpel, like, cutting into something, like, peeling the skin off, like, making a form. Like, there are so many, like, when doing one of those classes, there are so many new things that it's, like, of course there are nerves. <laughs> of course there are, like, nerves there. There's, you know, it's totally normal. But I was, I, I think the most um, shocking thing to me and surprising thing to me was that it slides out in one piece yeah, yeah, yeah. that it's in a sack or something it's yeah like, is, that, like is every animal like that, that pretty it's such much a clean... except, except for roadkill pretty much everything is like that like all the carcasses are held together by like a thin membrane um are people you know, i don't know i've not it's, seen that that's a question for miss Jimmy. <laughs> no I don't think it's legal. It would be much more natural than yeah. the embalming. Yeah. yeah. I'd right. rather see think, um, my yeah, uncle Jeff taxidermy in a casket in the coffin than yeah. Yeah. Than drained and yeah. filled with blue yeah. fluid. Neon green. I think there's one guy chemicals. who um Jeremy Bentham. I'm sure you guys know that story. I feel like it was Probably I feel like not. oh man. I forget when it was he was alive around the 1800s of course because that's like when everyone did this stuff but he was in England there's a college there but he wanted his remains to be not mummified or embalmed but he wanted them to be taxidermy so some guy had to you know 
skin him, make a form, and mount him, and like, I mean, it doesn't look that good. Um, I think there, there's a video online of like, I think like Caitlin Doty shared it, but it was like, why can't you taxidermy people? She's like, other than the legal thing, here's all the stuff. Um, <laughs> but there's like, you know, the skin doesn't tan well, like the, chemi- like the chemistry and the thinness of the skin, it just doesn't work out for taxidermy. But this guy, Jeremy Bentham, was taxidermy, and um, he was placed in the college. He wanted everyone to, he was a philosopher. He wanted everyone to see him and be like, I contributed to this college. Like, look at me, like, not a statue. I'm a freaking me here, <laughs> or a representation of me. My skin is here on a form. But then all the students, I think they didn't have it in a case. So the students would like regularly go in and take his head and like, play soccer with it like, you know I mean what their college put students put cigarettes like, in his mouth yeah and like put drink like, yeah. drink with him you know whatever kind of stuff so then they had to put him away because um, of all the damage and then I think they ended up putting him into like a locked up case but yeah he's where is he now army. do we know I think he's in England still I'm pretty sure he's still there in Johnny Depp's office yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think would you want to be taxidermied so. no I want everything to go to science and then whatever isn't there I want it to be like whatever slop is left like just put it on like a hilltop somewhere and let the animals eat it yeah that's um that's a beautiful beautiful thing I don't need any of. I don't need anything <laughs> after I'm dead. Yeah, like, I it's mean, done. It's a, have be vulture food, right? Yeah. And there yeah. are there are cultures that believe. Yeah, that yeah, That's yeah. what you should do. The like sky bear, the Tibetan, like the sky mm-hmm. burials. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want like whatever organs, whatever stuff still works. They can use it for science. Or they do say, like, I think um, I had a student in one class that was like, well, when you donate your body to science, it's mostly used for like like surgery practice or things like that and I'm like that's fine I don't care like I don't need it like (laughs) hack it up I don't I don't care I don't need any of that stuff and it's also too of like you know just making extra sure I think like Mm -hmm. if like there is some you know I read that book buried alive so I was like well I don't want to be buried because I don't want to be buried alive that's a legitimate fear that I have and you know, if I'm not fully dead yet, once they start hacking me up, I'll surely die during that. So yeah, so it's like extra insurance yeah. of like you'll definitely just twist the knife. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, just make sure. Make just double check. We had we had a woman at a cocktail party, of course, in New York City. Um, that was going to be. She had a medic alert bracelet, but it was for a cryogenics. Oh, place and it was Whoa. how to prepare her to, yeah. to be That's because really the place is in um, Michigan, I think. Yeah, somewhere in the mid- the Midwest. tanks mm-hmm. and how to you know how the paramedics had to treat her body even though it's unenforceable at this point. Um, she was paying and for expensive. Insurance. She was she had a, a second job. She was young. She wasn't sick. She just this is something she's she was in her twenties. This is something she just really believed in, and she was saving money. To do, know, to do it, yeah. Yeah, she's like paying yeah. rent in the city and like paying rent, <laughs> paying rent a, on like her yeah, dad. That. Oh man. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So do you think taxidermy um, helps you deal with the idea of Absolutely. death? Absolutely. Can yeah. you explain that a little bit and how? It, I think it. Yeah, it doesn't like. It definitely doesn't. Um, I think sometimes people say like, "Oh, you're probably like, because you enjoy taxidermy, you must enjoy death." And I think that's, like, kind of a fucked up thing to say to someone because it's like, wow, you're assuming, like, I'm, like, a serial killer. It's not, you know, like, I know there's, like, pop culture things of, like, you know, Norman Bates or whatever, but not all of us are like that. 
But I think it doesn't desensitize me to it. Like, you know, I've had, like, friends and family members die. It doesn't at all, like, make the grief less. I've lost animals of my own, too. It doesn't make me grieve less. It probably makes me grieve a little bit more because I'm, like, I really, really know how final this is. And I really, really am, like, I don't go through that, like, denial phase in grief. I go straight to, like, the straight to like the sadness because I'm like I can't deny this because this is real this is so real I see this every day so it doesn't desensitize me to that but I think of my own death I'm just like you know it's fine like it's gonna happen I'm not gonna deny it I don't want it to happen soon I don't like look for you know I don't look forward to it or anything like that but I am definitely like prepared like everyone around me knows my you know knows what to do like get mm-hmm. me get me in a freezer stat or get me to like the science play stat I know where my stuff is going I know you know who's gonna inherit my freezer <laughs> who's gonna like take my stuff yeah um but yeah it does it makes yeah I guess it makes me prepared for it and it also makes me like appreciate life a lot more too I think um you know not to say that like I don't have one I don't have like days of no stress or anything like that or that I don't get mad over petty stuff I do like I'm a human being but I think it lessens it and it kind of just makes sure that I have perspective of like okay that doesn't really matter like you know this like dumb little thing this like person chewing loudly on the subway like this is annoying but it doesn't really matter I'm like I have headphones just put on your headphones like just do that Mm -hmm. or like move cars switch seats like don't be mad about this don't let the don't spend more time on this than needed so it's a good reminder of of that for sure and it also is just like when um another like weird I guess side effect of it too is like, when I hear people saying, like, oh, I want to get a pet, and I want to get this, I'm always the person who's like, well, you know it's a lifetime commitment, right? <laughs> Even if they're like, I want to get a pet rock, and I'm like, well, you know. <laughs> Have you ever taxidermied a pet? Not any of my own, but other people's pets I get quite a bit. Um, and mostly they're birds, like, a lot of pet bird clients, because um, I do lots of birds. That's my... I, I love, love your I birds. Love birds. Thank you. I love birds a lot. They're great. I love oh, them. Birds. Yeah, I Thank think you. the one that I saw fairly recently was the um, it was a big white. What was it? What kind of bird with the pearls all through it? Oh, it was a pigeon with yes. pearls. Yeah, fancy Beautiful. pigeon. Fancy pigeon. Yes, Thank fancy you. pigeon. Um, and you tend your work does lend itself to beautification and life and yeah. putting flowers <laughs> in bones and honoring and sprouting yeah and, and really honoring thank you. the That's life of that animal it's thank beautiful you. work thank you yeah i mean i do think like you know like that's just like my way of doing it i think like with you know out the whole spectrum of taxidermy i think that's what every everyone who does taxidermy that's their intention you know is to honor it i think the outcome is just different for you know, different people have different, like, interpretations of what that means, but... My my mouse like, was... I made a hula dancer. <laughs> that's, that's cool, though. It's that's something like I your, would like to be. My, my mouse was a morning mouse in mourning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's great, though. But, awesome. and also, I just wanted to bring up, too, your, your book launch... Um, that we also that went so to great. at Acme. Oh, yeah, right? that's right. That feels like so long yeah, ago. Yeah, <laughs> that was so fun. It was, it was October, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, and you had um, people that can do, were able to do mice there. And, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and Baron. Do you yeah, want to explain a little bit? Baron. Because, yeah. you know, seeing you drink out of a skunk carcass yeah. or something. <laughs> Not just a carcass, a skunk's it anus. A skunk, yeah. yeah, but it was a taxidermy skunk. It wasn't yeah. like a dead... You know, it was a dead skunk, but not like a, you yes. know, <laughs> it wasn't going through its intense intestines. So he, so Baron makes, um, he does like, he, he's a food, he's a culinary explorer. So he's a member of the Explorers Club and does like, you know, his thing is, his area of interest is like culinary, um, I'm, he's probably has a much better way of explaining it, but it's like culinary adventures and so he'll travel all around the world and meet different people and different communities who have like just interesting culinary traditions or they'll have an ingredient that they specialize in that like no one knows about over here just is not like a popular thing to export so whether it's like um he gets most attention for animal-based stuff like he made like a skunk uh, skunk gland infused vodka um, but he does like stuff with wild herbs and like insects and like you know everything mm -hmm. like, if, like if it's edible he's probably eaten it or knows how to eat it or knows how to prepare it um, somehow like I actually asked him for help on the woodchuck recipe because I was like you the know the woodchuck like, taco yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like you know I've been like making it this way but it's still somehow kind of has this weird thing and he's like try marinating it in this or try like you know try adding these seasonings to it or just like add extra seasoning. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't even think of I that. I mean, how amazing that you, you, you guys could share, like if there's roadkill and one of you can use it for one thing and the other yeah, can use it for, for sure. food <laughs> and one can yeah. make art from this part of it. And it's amazing that yeah. there are people you can go to. And, and this is also so deep in tradition that people, yeah. pe people find it bizarre and odd, but you're actually borrowing from things that From have been going on for forever. so long yeah for sure yeah. I think that's yeah I think that's the most important thing to know to know about it and I think like I mean in his work too he's like you know I'm getting attention but he's like I don't want the attention to only be on me like the people who I'm who I've learned this from are definitely existing and definitely like you know in the world and here right. and they're you know honor them for their traditions I'm just telling you about it um, but yeah, I but think it's so like, it's such, yeah. so it's it's done now in such a modern, cool, cool way. Yeah. You all have this cool look about you, and <laughs> you know it's it's really exciting. Yeah. And people probably don't like when they see you or see like when they yeah, were seeing they see, you drinking yeah. out of the skunk anus. Yeah, <laughs> you know that this has been going on for a yeah. very long time, and it's yeah. It's, <laughs> I've been drinking from skunk anuses for so long. <laughs> Since I was a so baby. That skunk anus was Your like, uh, it was the, yeah, it was, like, it was my bottle. It was a taxidermy skunk, because no one can see it, but it was a taxidermy skunk with like a um, Pyrex um, tube inside of it, connected, you know, between the mouth and the anus, so that it was sort of like, a, I guess, a decanter for the skunk gland vodka, which isn't as, it was not really as bad as it sounds. It's just kind of garlicky. I don't I kind of just had that. Well, what were you drinking from the skunk, though? The You said the anus from the anus gland or something? Like, yeah, what was... so the scent gland in the skunk, the yeah. part that makes it stink. So he infused a bunch of vodka with it. So it's like, I think because it's so strong, it was like a lot of vodka because you don't want it to be, you know, if it's too strong, then you're just going to smell like a skunk. But he was like, you know, it's kind of like in perfumery when they use musk. Like, you can't use, like, straight musk or else it just smells like butt. Because yeah. <laughs> that's essentially what it is. But it's, um, 
it's like I guess parts not parts per million but parts per like when something has that smell but is like super diluted then it becomes you're more able to appreciate it I guess as opposed to like where it's like concentrated it's like it's too it's like oh it's too strong like essential oils too so where can people um where can people take classes with you where can they where can they find you if they want to buy your work Oh, they can find me on, they can find all of that information, classes, books, um, everything on my website, which is friendsforevertaxidermy.com. And I'm on Instagram too. My Instagram is on there as well. It's all listed on my website. But yeah. I have to say that when we're going to do a a certain part of um, the show will be women in history. Oh, cool. And what I learned from... Strange women throwback. Yeah, is that what it is? <laughs> That's the official title of it. Yeah. But um, what I learned from your book signing, the gentleman who spoke... Yeah, John Janelli. I think he's an excellent example of, like, the traditional taxidermy and, like, the fantasy taxidermy. Like, you know, people like him are just gems in general, but the fact that, like, he's supportive of us is, like... Yeah, he so was very cute. traditional, and, yeah. but he was so, so excited about, about what you this. guys were yeah. doing. And he That's was like honoring, exactly. and, and I and I sense researched a bit on Martha Maxwell. Martha Maxwell, yeah. And she's he, amazing. Like, she, yes. she's really incredible. Yeah, I mean, she is. But he's from the... The New, New Jersey. Jersey, yeah, the Garden State okay. Association. Yeah, so so what what if can you tell our listeners who Martha Maxwell was and sure, for our throwback? it's definitely not going to be as cool as John Janelli's presentation, <laughs> but his uh, I think he has a transcript of that speech he gave on taxidermy.net. So check it out. Find that, yeah, find that. So Martha Maxwell was an American taxidermist lady who um you know she pioneered lots of like just she pioneered like kind of going to the next level in taxidermy she was like known as a super talented artist um her work was like incredibly realistic and she has a really um she has a really cool life story which is like she was living in I think in Pennsylvania or Ohio but then she moved like she kind of moved all around the Midwest um, mainly for her husband's job but then she um, found a guy she found like this guy that was squatting in one of her houses somewhere and German, he had all this yeah this German yeah yeah for the gold rush there's this guy squatting in her house and she saw all this taxidermy, and she was like, you're going to teach me how to do taxidermy, and then you're going to get the heck out of my house. Like, which is just so amazing, right? Like, if I saw someone squatting in my house, I'd be like, mm, oh, I'm going to call 911. Like, what do I do? She just, like, goes in there with you her rifle. You can have it. So you can have it. Just like, can I get something out of the freezer? Especially <laughs> when it's filled with dead animals, yeah, which right? he was, he Yeah, yeah like, I mean, you, guy, she's she never seen know. anything like yeah. that before. And, and she, she doesn't know badass. who he is. Yeah, yeah, she was so badass. She was, like, in there with her rifle like teach me this and then get out of my house and so (laughs) and then so she learned taxidermy um you know she learned some techniques from him and then she was like okay well I can make this better and then she ended up supporting her like helping support her family at that time which you know at that time women didn't really have jobs and stuff so I mean through her life like she did work with museums and things like that she was part of I think it was the world show but the world show (laughs) The World's Fair, so the World Show is like on my head. Um, the World's Fair, um, she was invited to do an exhibition, and I think she called it 
the title was something like women's work and it was just like yeah it's pretty amazing Wow. And this is like in eight, like the 1800s, so this mm-hmm. is like, oh my gosh, like you are, people are not gonna like you. But <laughs> she had this exhibit called Women's Work, and it was all just like her taxidermy and stuff. But she, um, there are a few good quotes she has. Like there's a, I think a biography her sister wrote about her, where people would ask her all the time about like, oh, what is it like being a woman doing this, or like, oh, how can a woman do this, like. And some of those questions are just, like, questions people on the internet will ask, too. Like, trolly people. Still today. Yeah, still today. I was like, wow, like, so 100 years or so, like, Martha Maxwell's questions are coming to, like, Well, it's still not mainstream. I mean, to taxidermy. Well, women's rights aren't mainstream. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But, like, to see those questions, like, there is a list of questions. They're like, how can you, how can a woman do this? Like, did you really like do the work yourself? Like there are all these questions that people would ask Martha Maxwell, who is like so accomplished. So, you know, like this lady. She has an owl like, named after her. Yeah, I know. She's like yeah. she's like really really accomplished, like such an accomplished artist who was you know invited to show at like you know the World's Fair. It's like people would ask her those questions, and so she her response was making this exhibit to like I guess reverse troll them calling it women's work but you know she was really really um she's really really talented unfortunately like none of her work survives no i because know she died. i read All that of, yeah she died um she died in brooklyn um and i think she's buried somewhere here that's what i think john wow. said there's that's what i was trying there's to an find unmarked. out yeah well, how, how apropos to, that yeah. uh, you know there's this big kind of rise in taxidermy yeah, with these brooklyn. really cool women in <laughs> and brooklyn did, did she yeah. is it true it's that did, did she create the diorama they said that she, it's not really, no one can really say because there's no, you know, there's no provenance or whatever, but they, um, a lot of people think, like, she inspired Carl Akeley a lot, like, a lot of her work, like, and techniques, like, inspired him to do stuff, you know, which, I mean, Carl Akeley is obviously incredibly talented as well, but, you know, because none of her work survives and because she died, like, penniless, like, in Brooklyn somewhere, um, like, in the Rockaways, I think everybody in Brooklyn dies penniless. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> um, but she but she mixed live animals. I read. Do you know anything about no, that? No, I haven't heard live of that. Anim- a few live animals she would put in her. Oh, in, in there, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that yeah, that makes sense. It'd be like to spot the crazy. spot the text or spot yeah. the live ones. It's like so your I guess cat that's waking up every yeah. day, <laughs> yeah. confronted, confronted with this. Yeah. Like, yeah, except the taxidermy I have at home is not. You as live good in a as, diorama. Yeah, it's not <laughs> as good as Martha Maxwell's taxidermy. Do you have? Do you have? So you have some crappy taxidermy. And yeah, that, of course. The, Most of the stuff I have in my house, like as far as like what I collect, is not like amazing. It's stuff that I think is special. So some of it is like I don't like it to be too crappy. I think like some stuff. Where, I would like, think that would bother you at the level you're at a little bit. I don't know. It doesn't bother me. I think it's more of just like the stuff I want to look at every day. Like I have some old like um, like some old bird domes, and some of those, you know, the eyes are just like little like balls inside that aren't even like a bird eye I'm like this is like a black glass like ball or like a painted lead ball but you know it's cool because it's like a time capsule so something that to me I think or something that I I obviously don't know the original person who makes some of these things but I think something that kind of reflects like oh maybe that person like you know was sitting in like a lodge somewhere and like when they were mounting this box they were just like 
its face looks like this and they didn't have the internet they didn't have like libraries and books and books and all this reference so they're like i'm gonna make it look like this and it's like Definitely doesn't look like that, but I mean, are there people out that there that try that. to do crap taxidermy? Like that's the goal to think, make it look crappy. I think there that's might a, be that's a, yeah, a that's thing. like a thing. Yeah, I think there might be some people out there who try to do that, but I feel like intentionally trying to do that. I'm like, maybe that's where I become a little bit of a purist. I'm like. I think it should be about honoring the animal. Like, I think it's one thing if you're like, you know, if you want to make something like, you know, with three heads and like make it like a zombie and that's like your way of like, that's like your intention to do it. But just to make it look like ugly, like on purpose, ugly on purpose, I feel like, I don't know. I, I love animals, you know? So I'm like, to make something look ugly on purpose is kind of like, this is kind of rude, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We just made a, a rabbit, right? You saw oh yeah her. online that what you did the piece you just finished the Alice in Wonderland rabbit oh yeah yeah oh, <laughs> thank you oh, yeah for the for the uh, restaurant yeah that one what restaurant it's Can in Port yeah it's in Portland um it's called Jack Rabbit Portland Maine Portland Oregon oh okay yeah. Portland Maine I would have been gone up there but it's in Oregon um but yeah like in Portland the, so you've the done hotel. you've done you do work for um some famous. Yeah, people and tv show right uh, yeah i've done like so i do like rentals sometimes which like i never know who those are going for um like there'll be clients like restaurants um there was this lady from who has like i guess a really popular show on the cooking channel and i didn't know who she was but like she emailed me and asked about this is a few years ago but she wanted i had like a pearly lamb and she emailed me and was like can you make this in white and i was like yeah sure but like then I was like thinking I was like oh you know people ask me about these like big pieces all the time and then when like I saw a thing with like her deposit I was like oh shit like, <laughs> this is wow. for real and yeah. I was like first I was like well who is this like okay well, there's a lot of and celebrities collecting up. taxidermy yeah. now and then I looked her up and I was like oh wow she's a huge deal but then I was like you know I wasn't ever like rude or anything because you know on emails I treat every customer the same way but I was like oh wow this is really cool that someone like who has this popular show is like into taxidermy yeah. and she has like um some like band like a punk band or something that she's into like she cool. does like lots of yeah she does like lots of lots of like different you know lots of cool and different things and I was like I wouldn't know that sounds like a strange the, lady yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't know someone on the like cooking channel would have like all of these maybe she'll you make know. your wood yeah maybe tacos. she'll make yeah maybe she'll make a better <laughs> recipe i can't it. i can't move away from that <laughs> yeah no i can't either i i have to try them i think i don't know i don't know i don't know they taste pretty much like pork it's like a little more i guess it tastes more like wild it doesn't taste as like complex as wild boar but it's almost just like a slightly gamier pork so know. um we were we end with uh um, our guests sharing their strangest story and oh what they've gosh. done <laughs> and what in their field and what they've come across maybe um, oh man so. oh well I feel like I can do a list of strange real specimens <laughs> that's all you do all, <laughs> like the strangest real specimens I've been able to work on um, I've done a two-faced kitten and these are ones that were born this way mm -hmm. um that's at Obscura in um, in the East Village. So it's, it's for sale? No, no. Oh. It's not legal to sell um, to sell dogs and cats. Like, not their fur. 
Um, not in the U.S. Mm-hmm. In Europe, it's totally different. You have to be a lawyer too, to some degree. Yeah, you have to know yeah. the laws for sure. I mean, in New and York, they're, they're really constantly. Yeah, and in New York, they're pretty straightforward. And like the website, like the DEC website here, is like up to date, and they're really responsive to like. I will call them like all the time. I'll be like, I'm getting this bird. It's listed here as like threatened, but it's domestic. Like, do I need a special tag? Is this a no go? Like, what? Like, what's going on? And they're usually like really, really like super straightforward. They'll be like, yes, no, get this thing, don't get this thing. Like, you know. And if they're really like, we're lucky in New York, at least in the city, they're they're really on it. And if you you know, I always tell people like, any communication you have with them, get it over email. Because, like, then you have it in writing that they said okay and that you had to get this thing. So in case they come knocking on your door, you're like, well, you said here. It's okay. So, so, so what? (laughs) So, yeah, it's very, very important to know all those laws. I think California has much stricter laws than we do. But the laws in New York are really, they're straightforward. They're stricter than, like, I think Florida or something where, like, there are so many invasive species in Florida that they're just like, just take everything. <laughs> take <laughs> as much as you can get. They're like, yeah, yeah, just take what you can. $15. <laughs> like, yeah. $15 all and you we can. we pay you the $15. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what other strange but, things um, have you? Um, other strange things. I've done a Cyclops goat, which was really, that was really challenging. because Born had, that way? Yeah, born that way. It had no nose. Um, and it was funny because I skinned it and tanned it like pretty soon after I got the specimen and like made molds from it. And then like, you know, the client wanted the carcass to be cleaned for bones, cleaned for the bones. So I was like, okay, I have to get you the carcass. Like I have to, you know, get the skin done, then get you the carcass. Um, but then after like, as I was like, you know, pouring the stuff into the mold and like working on you know like working on the molds and stuff I went to go mount the skin and was like where is the nose it was like there's no nose on this and I was like oh crap I messed up like there's no nose and then I was like I took pictures of the original calm down go look at those pictures and I was like oh it had no nose like here I am like trying to like build an artificial nose and I was like this thing just was born with no nose (laughs) it had no nose um so that was kind so of a funny. So three eyes and no nose. No one eye and oh, no nose. One three eye. Yeah. <laughs> three eyes. <laughs> three eyes would be cool. Maybe that's next. I'm thinking of triclops. Triclops. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, not to diminish your sight. No, that's okay. No, yeah, that would be great. Maybe that's what's coming next then is triclops. So do you get calls like at weird times and like I have this thing, come get it. You know, like, I used to like be the person like when I like the first year I worked for myself. I was like, I'll be working all day and all night and I won't stop. But then now I'm like, unless it's like someone I know personally, I'm not going to reply after like 9 p.m. It can wait. Good for you. Like, yeah. So it's, you, it's you don't have like too. a siren on your car that like <laughs> no. a pager? No. I do have <laughs> what like if a triclops does come up? <laughs> if it does come yeah. up, I mean, they can put it in the freezer and then at 9 a.m. I'll be there. <laughs> But I do have, like, an auto-reply that is, like, the most frequent questions that people will ask. Because sometimes people are like, oh, it's urgent. My pet died. What do I do? Um, And sometimes, you know, if I'm not there to, like, you know, if I'm not on my phone, like, at that time or on my computer at that time, I still want them to have the information of what to do, whether whether they end up using my services or not. So it'll it'll say, like, you know, if you have something that passed away that you want to mount, put it in the freezer. Um, If you found a bird, if it's... Not one of these three species. You probably have to donate to the Audubon Society or somewhere else because you can't have it. Um, you know, it kind of has like the most frequently like asked questions that I have. 
um, or that like I get from clients. So I feel like I hope that helps a little bit. And then like that way within the like, I guess 24 hours or 48 hours that will take me to like go through emails. Um, then they'll at least have had like, they're at least in like a holding pattern. So I feel like that helps. (laughs) But like also people who would like, I do have like, you know, my phone number is there. Like I have a work phone number and if like someone does text me and it seems like I don't know. But I'm also, like, not... I don't think anyone would text me for, like, a life-threatening thing. I think that would be a friend or a family member who would, mm-hmm. need, some, who would need me that fast. So, mm-hmm. like, for that, of course, always. But, yeah. yeah. So, what... Um, we'll just end on what advice would you give to a little girl in the Midwest who... Six-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. A six-year-old. Yeah. So, yeah. Who wants Who to, doesn't have... Who has a box with little dead critters <laughs> under her bed so, and feels, would, feels alone. Oh, I would tell her to not feel alone because no matter... Um, you know, it doesn't matter, like, everyone is going to find something to say, like, everyone's going to find something to be like, oh, you're weird, you're this, you're that, like, no one is immune to that, like, even, like, the popular, like, cheerleader type is going to get people who tell her, you know, who tell her negative things about her, too, like, so don't, you know, don't let other people's words get you down, and also be open to, like, experiences, like, be open to any, you know, be open to learning, um, even if it's, like, learning from a place where you don't think you can learn anything, chances are you can learn from from there. Um, and, like, to not compromise, like, your, you know, to, like, not compromise on, like, who you are. I think that's that's important, too. Very cool. Thank you so much, Julia. No Vivian. problem. Thank you. Thank this you. Fun. Thank you.